This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, the BC NDP just announced the new 30-point housing plan. Housing plan in the budget. We have been talking about this for a long time. At least since the start of the year, but I I think we've actually, last fall as well, this is long awaited. And we, honestly, we should be honest, we're we're recording this. We just found out about the 30-point plan. We are releasing this episode um, immediately afterwards, uh, we're not going to really get a chance to think about this too thoroughly, but Ooh. we will have a chance to kind of just unpack and, and exactly de- what what the cha- and, main changes and are. And the details are are pretty slim right now. Like it's it's still unclear. Uh, you know, the the a devil's often in the coming. details, as they say. Right, and a lot more information coming. Um, we also have an interview today with Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Yeah. Um, these guys are both award-winning realtors and investors, and they're also hosts of the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, which is another podcast. This is um, a, a real estate podcast that has been going for four years. Uh, we're huge fans of it. Uh, a lot of people we talk to that listen to our podcast are big fans of theirs as well. So yeah. it was great to to finally meet up with these guys and pick their brains. And we're actually going to be on their podcast on March 15th answering basically the exact same questions. So look out for that. You can uh, find them on iTunes. You can also find them on their website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. That's breakthroughreipodcast.ca. 
Ca. So Matt, let's talk about the uh, changes that were just announced. Yeah. So today, here, walk us walk us through this, Adam, because you have the list in front of you. I'm just staring off in the space. Here. Sure. So so it is uh, February 20th that when we're recording this. Um, we just found out some of the highlights of the report include. So one, they're going to increase the foreign buyer tax from 15 to 20 percent. And this is going to expand now to areas outside of Vancouver, such as the Fraser Valley, Central Okanagan, Nanaimo Regional District, and also the Victoria area. Your quick take, your hot take on this. What's you know what, impact? if 15% didn't have a huge impact, it's probably not going to have a huge impact at 20% for Vancouver. That said, I think that this will, obviously, when the foreign buyer tax hit, a lot of people started investing outside of Vancouver where it didn't apply, right? We saw a lot of pressure put on areas outside of the greater Vancouver areas and markets such as, um, you know, Kelowna, Victoria, Victoria, Nanaimo. And you know what? This is going to have a huge impact for those areas, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It might uh, actually draw some of those investors back to Vancouver. You know, that's one of the things that we talked about is, you know, if people have their choice and if they have the, the budget to do so, and they're willing to invest in the market even with the foreign buyer's tax, you can imagine that if they had the choice of Greater Vancouver or other areas in BC or the Lower Mainland, chances are they're going to invest in the destination city, Vancouver, right? Yeah, that that's my thoughts exactly. You know, just another thought here. We had Larry Beasley on last week. Right. Um, and he kind of spoke about from a global perspective, and especially in a world in which uh, there's increasingly environmental catastrophes, the Vancouver, any sort of uh, economic wall we put up is not going to, you know, in the long term is is just going to be a, a smaller obstacle that a lot of people are still going to jump over. Right. Yeah. So I don't think this is, this if, other 5% is seemingly not a huge deal. If you want to be bullish on Vancouver, Go back and listen to that Larry Beasley interview. Like, what a no what an kidding. amazing way of unpacking how the city has gotten to the place where it is, and also the future of of Vancouver. Well, no kidding. And and he wasn't talking about it from a real estate investor. It was just exciting as a real estate investor to listen to him talk about cool. cities around the world, what people are looking for, where cities are going, and how Vancouver is leading the pack. It you know one thing is it reminds me of, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, that client of ours who was from mainland China, we were driving around. The topic of jogging came up. And I said, do you jog when you're in Shanghai? And he said, yeah, when the air quality index exactly. So, so right? a little bit of a tax is, uh, you know, I don't think it's uh, going to prove to be, or another 5%, I should say, I don't think it's going to prove to be a huge deterrent here in, in right. Vancouver. People want to be here. So yeah. it might have some, and we should say, like we just found out about these changes. There's a good chance when the foreign buyers tax came in, immediately everybody sat on their hands. They moved to the sidelines. People stopped investing, and in, yeah. it seems like the whole world stopped there for a period of, you know, maybe a couple months. Yeah, three, four, five months. The only thing is the for, the foreign buyers tax, like when it came out, the fifteen percent, that was like a solid left hook in the face. Right. Uh, and and the guy who got hit was looking in the opposite direction. I felt like like blindsided. That was yeah. They called it a blindsided. It, it, was, uh, it this, was your high school career just being blindsided. This Matt. is uh, yeah. Let me tell you that it stings. <laughs> it stings. This this is more like your high school career where it's just a, a short jab to the nose and you <laughs> just keep walking. We were popular kids. Um, anyways, let's talk about number two. 
For properties over $3 million, there will be an increase in property transfer tax from 3 to 5%, plus an increase to the school tax rate for these homes. Impact so, on the market? Uh, it's going to further work to hammer the high end, which is already getting hammered. That's sl- very, very slow. You know, very, very I, and slow. you know what the one thing that strikes me about these, and uh, you know, spoiler alert from what my thoughts are, but what is this actually going to do for first-time home buyers, millennials, people that are looking, you know, people that don't have a budget over one point five million dollars that are looking to get into the market? It, it's it's yet to be determined whether this will actually create opportunities, balancing out. You know, the 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 goal was to stabilize the market, right? Um, do you think this is going to stabilize for that kind of sub $1.5 million market? No, and you know, I, I was talking with somebody who their immediate reaction was, hey, look, if you're looking in the, in the above $3 million bracket and you're not interested in the taxation that's going to happen there, you're going to start looking in, you know, below $3 million and that's actually going to put some pressure on that sub $3 million market and, and increase pricing. And even more pressure on, you know, one bedrooms and two bedrooms across Yeah, it's just going to trickle down that way, that way. So I'm not sure, I mean, this is uh, presumably good for the coffers. Uh, I'm not sure if this is great for affordability, but uh, it's yet to be seen. Right. So uh, the third is that the province will invest $6 billion in building 114,000 affordable housing units over the next decade, which is... Which Fan- is yeah, fantastic. Eh? Fantastic. Um, yeah, and we should say, I mean, we're not, we're not necessarily... I mean, I think there's good stuff that came out of this report for sure. Um, I, I just wonder, I wonder if this is really going to have the impact that we need, that we're kind of seeing on the ground floor. Yeah, and also, you know, we are we obviously are coming at this from from uh, a perspective of we work with people buying and selling uh, real estate here in Vancouver, and, and we want to know the impact. It's not necessarily, you know, uh, a, that's the perspective that we're taking. For sure. Um, there's also a speculation tax. This was one of the big ones. Speculation tax in, is going to be introduced this fall. It's targeting foreign and domestic speculators who are not paying income tax in BC. So this includes vacant homes. There will also be a measure targeted largely at satellite families or households that have high foreign incomes and pay small amounts of provincial tax. Yeah, and I wonder these satellite families, like this we should say is stolen or not stolen. I think Tom Davidoff and his Borrowed. group were big proponents of the government using their uh, their policy right. that they've been putting forward for the last couple of years, right? Focusing uh, on on um, income being declared in, in well, in the yeah, the, the the idea that property taxes are so low here that if you're not actually paying income taxes, then you should be paying higher property taxes, right? right. Because Vancouver and British Columbia are are low compared to the rest of the world, basically. Right. Um, but uh, but there are a couple of things that come to mind here. Like one, I have a client, he bought a, a property out at UBC a couple of years ago. His kid goes to UBC. He's from Alberta. Okay. So how does this impact him? I mean, I, I, his kid might be working. Yeah. Uh, he's and not, I don't think his kid's not paying him rent. Right. His kid's living in this, uh, in a one bed out near UBC. I mean, maybe he works at McDonald's or, or in a lab or something like that. But I wonder, so presumably he's going to be on the hook here. Yeah. So it's guys like that where you're like, man, that's that's kind of rough. You know, your kid's going to UBC. You you bought a condo a couple of years ago, and you're going to get hammered. Um, here's another hypothetical. You know, you bought a house 12 years ago on Charles Street in in Grandview. 
and uh, you were dual income. You bought it for 500K. It's now worth, say, 1.7. You know, your husband doesn't work anymore. The combined income now is 35K a year you're bringing in. Mm-hmm. And you can easily afford that house in right. today. But what's the threshold for how much income tax you have to be paying? Sure. Is there a threshold? That Those are the things that right now and are a lot a of it. Bit, yeah. And here's another hypothetical. If uh, Pluto is a dog, what's Goofy? <laughs> <laughs> Stand by me. Great movie. Great movie. <laughs> no, I didn't have anything. But uh, the point is, is that it sounds like there's a lot of stuff yet to be kind of kind of devil, out. devil in the details. But uh, yeah, I think Tom Davidoff and his uh, and the guys he's been working with are all high fiving right now for sure. Yeah, yeah, and we'll have to have Tom in to uh, to talk about this for sure, and and, and look for that in future episodes. Um, so Matt, and also I should say this speculation tax it, it will apply to Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley. Um, the capital and, and the Nanaimo regional districts and Kelowna and West Kelowna. So changes coming to those markets for sure. Yeah. Also, uh, one of the big things for pre-sales was building an extensive database of individuals reassigning pre-sale condos. So we've talked about uh, how, you know, the pre-sale market is still on fire. A lot of people looking to buy, hold the contract, yeah. reassign. Um, and you can imagine that there's a lot of people doing this without claiming these lifts on their on their taxes. Yeah, and you know whether or not or how often that's occurring, who knows? I think increased data and collecting data is, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's, Never it's a not a thing. it's not a bad thing. And I think this will long term help to um, you know uh, uh, penalize or prevent speculators and assignment flippers from skirting tax law. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it does take time to build these databases. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a work in progress. It's not going to have a, what I think is an immediate impact on the, well, and here's the other thing, right? Like we've helped a lot of people buy pre-sales. We've helped a lot of people assign contracts. We've helped a lot of people buy contracts. I have not worked with one person that I know of that part of the calculation in doing so was to skirt paying taxes. Right. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, this is a wash for me. Yeah, but I wonder if we suffer from applying the part to the whole. I mean, I, I I think you're right. I think a lot of people aren't trying to necessarily skirt taxes, but we do get a call almost every day of somebody saying, "Hey, you know, I want to buy I want to buy a presale, and and I want to make you know a friend of mine made a hundred thousand dollars in a year and a half, and he didn't have to complete on the property, and you know that happens all the time. There was a feature on the CBC where one of the, one of their investor reporters recently was talking about how that's essentially what he's done is he has He's never, when he, the first presale he ever bought, he was not in a position to complete on. He totally bought it with the strategy just to sell the paper, mm-hmm. right? So this is a long, uh, a long held investment strategy in the lower mainland. A lot of people adopt this strategy. So it finally looks like the government is making an effort to crack down on skirting tax law. On the, yeah, skirting the, paying their capital gains. Right, right? But, exactly. But yeah, it, my point is though, is that a lot of people are paying those taxes. They're exactly. Just, they're still making out like bandits because the market's done so well. Exactly, exactly. Another big thing is this one's actually kind of interesting. Reviewing the homeowner grant and seeing if there's similar opportunities for renters which I think is, you know, a, a good thing, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's rents are astronomically high and, uh, you know, this, this could be interesting uh, depending on when, when they iron out the details, of course. Right. Um, and then moving to close property tax loopholes on the ALR, uh, Agricultural Land Reserve, and to ensure that the lands are used for farming and not for speculation and mega mansions, which, again, is, I think, a, a, a good measure. Yeah. Net um, positive. 
a net positive for for BC and for uh, Greater Vancouver. So that's kind of, I mean, there's a lot more to the plan. If you want to check it out, go to our Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Yeah, Adam, you, our you website. put up a. You were live blogging it basically. I was live blogging. It's got everything. It's got the NDP thirty point housing plan for twenty eighteen. It is on there. The document is actually um, embedded in the post, so you can check that out at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, and it's uh, it's it should be in the blog there. So and but so last right before we cut to uh, this fantastic interview. Overall impressions. I mean, we've been talking about this a lot. Was this is was this more less about what you thought was going to be proposed you know, here? I again, I haven't had enough time to really digest it, and we're going to have a lot more analysis in future episodes, just uh, making sense of you know once the details are released and everything else. But generally speaking, I don't see this as having from Vancouver proper. This does focus on the Vancouver real estate market. Um, for Vancouver, I don't see this having a huge impact on the market. And I don't think that the biggest pain point, which I think is that kind of sub $1.5 million price band, I don't think that affordability was addressed in, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this uh, maybe we've, uh, because we've talked to so many people about this, you know, it's loomed large in my mind, but this seems fairly benign. <laughs> it, nothing uh, nothing too uh, dramatic here, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and uh, in very early days, so uh, these opinions might change. But yeah. without further ado, here's our interview with Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Rob Brake and Sandy McKay, realtors in the greater Toronto area and also hosts of the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast with over 130 reviews, five-star reviews on iTunes. Uh, welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us, Matt and Adam. Yeah, no, thanks for taking the you time, know, guys. I didn't know that was how they ranked. Uh, is, that how, is, that how the, uh, is that how they judge how, how well you're doing? It's just how many five-star uh, reviews you have? How, how many friends and family you have reviewing your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> then, then we're doing exceptionally well. My grandma has many different accounts she's been reviewing us from. <laughs> One a day. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for taking the time, guys. Can We're fans of your podcast. Uh, you guys have a, a, a great podcast focusing on investing in real estate. Can you can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. You want to go first, Sandy? Yeah, I can. Sure. So, yeah, Rob and I have a little bit different stories, but, but I guess similar in a lot of ways, too. Uh, we're both realtors. I'm a realtor. Mostly focusing in greater Toronto and, and Hamilton areas, and we've uh, been investing, or I've been investing in real estate and been involved for about five, five or six years, maybe now. And mostly focusing, well, I guess we'll get into more about that in, in, the, in the podcast, but I have a, not really a background in investing or anything. I was uh, in the, the golf industry for, for a few years and then slowly got uh, hooked on this real estate bug, read a, read a rich dad, poor dad book or the rich dad, poor dad book. And kind of changed my mindset around on life and then got into investing and, and over the last five, six years led to led me to where I am today with being a realtor and investor and kind of full on real estate. Excellent. And Rob? Yeah, so um, I'm just gonna answer the the little bit about myself anyway first before we get into the real estate investing stuff. But so I'm uh, I'm an investor focused agent with Rockstar Real Estate in southern Ontario here. And uh, I just of course got a shout out to my wife and my two sons who are uh, seven and six. Very nice. You're a busy guy. Yep. 
Um, so, Rob, maybe continuing on with you, how, how did you uh, how did you get started in real estate? Um, well, it was kind of by accident, to be honest with you. My wife and I purchased a, a legal duplex just because it came up for sale right next door to some friends of ours. So um, we didn't buy it because it was a legal duplex. We just bought it because it was uh, right, beside, right beside them. And we wanted to hang out with them some more and live closer, so we bought it. And then, you know, when we, when we realized that the basement rent pretty much paid for the place, that was sort of the aha moment where right. – um, where we went, wow, look at this. Like, look at all the money we have now. Cause we were certainly not used to having any money. My wife and I grew up, um, you know, neither of our families have money. They still don't. And, uh, so, so that was uh, a really interesting tip of the scales where we're like, wow, look at this. There's some money left over at the end of the month and we're not, uh, we're not really struggling. So this, we might be onto something here. So then we kept that house and we moved to the house that we live in now. And then our second investment property was a uh, three-story legal two-unit that we used as a five-bedroom student rental in the upper half. And then, because it was, it's in downtown Oshawa, so that's right close to the uh, UOIT campus, like a 10-minute walk for the students. So that worked out really well. And then the, there was a one-bedroom basement apartment that we just rented to a couple or whoever it was. And then uh, from there, we got into some wholesaling. And uh, I did wholesaling for a couple of years. And I, let me tell you, that's fun. I had a lot of fun <laughs> doing that. And so that was really what brought me to, to um, you know, find out about some investor groups that were going on around here. It was just when you're trying to validate whether or not you can do something like that. Because there was a lot of talk of um, this wholesaling in the States. And I thought... Well, wouldn't it be nice if I could do the same thing here? Because you don't need any money. You just uh, just run around selling contracts and making a little bit of change on the side while you're working full time. So um, I ran across a uh, an ad or I guess just a Google, an answer when I punched in, you know, can you wholesale properties in Canada? And I came up with uh, this uh, this website called Durham REI. And it said, yes, you can. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go find out if I could do that. And from then on, I just uh, started doing it and didn't stop. I know Sandy did some wholesaling too. Sorry if I'm long-winded. No, no, no. This is actually super interesting, Rob. But can you, for some of our listeners, can you you describe what wholesaling is? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a pretty simple concept. But basically, I would just do private marketing. So I would go on to the buy and sell websites or I made up these really ugly yellow signs because that's the ones they say would work in the States. And I just followed exactly what other people had told me to do. So I took a marker and I just wrote on it, you know, um, sell your house fast for cash. And I'd write my phone number at the bottom and I'd run around on the corners and just stick them in the ground. And people actually started calling. So, and I thought that was the funniest thing because (laughs) I mean, I never would have imagined that someone would actually call on a sign like that. Yeah. And some of my calls are, you know, you you do get the ones where they're like, "Yeah, buddy, okay, you're gonna you're gonna buy my house. Yeah, I'll sell it to you for five million dollars." And then they laugh with their buddies <laughs> and hang up. But fourteen-year-old uh, you know, calling. some legitimate <laughs> phone calls, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm going out to look at houses, and uh, and at first, okay, sorry. Um, so the idea is that you would get a purchase and sale agreement, an accepted agreement to buy a house. And then 
what I would do is go to the investor clubs or to other people that I knew were looking for properties and then say, hey, look, I've got a contract to buy this property. Uh, would you like to buy it from me? And it's pretty much as simple as that. So then they would pay me a little bit to assign that contract to them. And then they would end up being the ones that actually closed on the house. Mm-hmm. So I think the key to a strategy like that is finding the type of properties that people are looking for. And there seem to be a lot of them around here because the key is, can you add a basement apartment? Can you add a legal basement apartment? Right. So around here, that was the kind of properties I was looking for. And as long as you can bring that to the investors, I would get attacked at every investor club that I went to. So that was uh, that was really fun. So Rob, uh, just quickly on that, were you licensed at that time? No, no. And another key to uh, doing something like that is that you have to have the purchase and sale agreement right. um, signed. You have to have an accepted agreement that you can shop around. So that's what you're doing. You're not selling the house. You're selling the agreement. So I think that's the key difference where people get a little caught up and they're like, no, 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 you're trading in real estate. Well, no, I've actually, I'm actually just selling my contract. Right. We've actually, I don't know if you guys have had this in Ontario, but we recently had the contract to purchase and sale change where now the, if you are to reassign the contract without consent from the seller, the profit actually goes back to the seller in BC. That's quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I read, I heard, I heard about that. There's a lot of different pushback on that, right? Right. Yeah. Years. And I don't, I haven't, I don't, I, as far as I know, we haven't changed that here yet. Although, I could see that we seem to be copying uh, you guys out there with some of the new changes and everything with the uh, foreign investor taxes and all that. So maybe it will come here soon. Well, be we're, surprised at all. we're going through a lot of the same pains, I think, our marketplaces and, and uh, the same uh, challenges for, for affordability and everything else. So it seems like, uh, you know, we're either taking the cue from you or, or vice versa. And then let me yeah, just exactly. finish up if, if I can. Sure. So then we moved on to uh, buy, fix and refinance strategy where we were adding second suites to um, single family homes, right? Legally adding second suites to that I'm working with joint venture partners. So that is what I'm still doing now, but also we're helping investor clients through the same process of being able to add legal second suites to single family homes. I think that's pretty much my bread and butter here. Right. So, so how did you guys get into podcasting? Rob, you want, want me to take that one? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I think I've talked enough for the whole podcast already. <laughs> no, it's super oh, interesting. Stuff. Very interesting. You know what? So we've been, what has it been now? It's four years, right, Rob? Pretty much four years since we started it. Yeah. Uh, we were kind of coming up and talking about all this sort of stuff and just learning at the same time. And we had done a few things here and there. We had going to a bunch of different networking clubs all the time and, and always <clears throat> kind of hanging around the same crowd. having the same conversations. We'd, we'd talk for, I don't know, half hour, an hour, <clears throat> almost daily on the phone, trying to figure this whole game out. And we were listening to some of the podcasts in the state, uh, Bigger Pockets, for example, being one. Right. And some other ones. And we would constantly look around for stuff like this on, on, on doing this in Canada. Saw a couple different ones where they would start and maybe they did a few episodes over the course of a few months and then they would stop and just there was no consistency in any of them so we just thought why why don't why are we looking for this ourselves let's just take what we're already doing having these conversations let's let's start bringing on some other guests and let's turn this into our own show 
neither of us were realtors at the time. Neither of us had. Now, of course, it's a great lead generation strategy for us as being realtors uh, and finding other investors to partner with, things like that. It definitely helps us with that. But in our initial intention of it was literally just learn ourselves and bring on other investors and give them a platform to share what they've been doing. And yeah, through that, we've, it's obviously grown, uh, grew a lot, I don't know, maybe not quicker, but it grew a lot, uh, a lot larger than we ever expected. And yeah, now we're, we're sitting here today with a pretty, pretty active show and active audience. And it's awesome. We, we, uh, we're able to bring a lot of value to people and uh, give people a great platform to share the story. Much like you guys. That actually, that trajectory sounds very similar. Yeah, it sounds, to, I was just going to say, like in Vancouver, when we started a couple years back, Adam and I, you know, would have a beer at night and spend an hour and a half talking about real estate and uh, searching for some sort of show or platform where where they were talking about what's going on on the ground and just didn't exist. It was like one of those big surprises and and then kind of an aha moment. Like, what? Why we're spending so much time talking about real estate? Why don't we just buy some mics? Yeah. And and at the time we thought, you know, who would want to listen to this and it turns out no one. No, I'm just kidding. No. We we got a we kind of grew a bit, but um no, and we we as well are very surprised uh with uh with the listenership and what a community has formed around it, which uh, is super exciting. So, you guys speak to um you speak to a lot of successful investors, you speak to a lot of industry experts. What have been some of your biggest takeaways from from engaging these guests? Um, well, I think that one of the most reoccurring piece of advice that we hear on the show is that um, no matter it seems like no matter what strategy we're discussing, the the biggest takeaway is always to take action. You know that you can research and prepare for years and years, but you'll never get anywhere without, of course, taking that step and actually doing something with whatever you've learned. So. Um, can easily say that that is the most reoccurring piece of advice that we hear. And it doesn't matter which strategy we're talking about. Yeah, I agree for sure. Is that that's definitely almost everybody says that. The other one they say a lot is uh, is just surrounding yourself with with the right people and the right right team around you, having the right experts uh, there that and ready and willing to answer your phone call when you need them, and and building that close circle around you. You know, I would that you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with, and whether that means average in terms of income or in terms of wealth or just in terms of you know kind of personality styles or those characteristics as well i think it all ties in and you're the average of the five people you surround yourself most often with so make sure they're good good people that you want to want to want to be like and particularly we talk a lot about income and what that looks like and, and wealth and mm-hmm. and so having good people around you that have done things that uh or maybe things you want to emulate and learn from and grow with. I think that's another big one we hear a lot. So it sounds like you guys have had different investment strategies at different points in your careers here. I know you mentioned basement suites, uh, which are a huge component of our market here in Vancouver, but what what do you look for right now in an investment property? Well, for us, (laughs) we're probably similar, Rob, right? I look for... I look for a few really, really kind of niche things that are in our market, particularly. But in general, we look for the ugliest places we can find. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my own house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, universal strategy. <laughs> I'd say most. I would say if they can't get financed from a lender, or a lender or B lender, even need to go private. That's a good thing usually for us. Right. Right. Any anything more specific, Rob? 
Uh, I mean, really, like for me, it's all property specific stuff. Of course, you got to be in the right area, uh, town and whatnot. But I think, yeah, for the the most important thing for the investors is really to buy the right property because I've seen some people and, and, you know, I'm not bitter or anything like that, but I've worked with some people who have went ahead and and bought something with somebody else. And then they come to me for advice Mm -hmm. and they say, Hey, look, I just bought this place. And, and, you know, can you help me? I'm going to, I'm going to legalize it. Right. I, I can't, you know, that is the core of what I'm doing. So there's a couple of other little things, um, some student rentals and, uh, and some uh, room-by-room rentals northeast of the city, you know, in the Peterborough area where they're still allowing stuff like that. Um, they're still allowing, like, a rooming house situation. But more or less the uh, basement suites where they, they bought the house and they bought the wrong house. And so I'm like, well, now, you know, you're going to have to basically tear that beautiful basement apartment that you, that you paid so much for right out of there because the city's going to want this, this, and this, and this done. You may as well have bought it, clean slate. You know, um, so, I mean, I guess without getting into the details, it's really, does the property fit the criteria? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. So we we actually... uh we talk about the Vancouver real estate market being challenging in that, you know, the, the cap rates are not very good here. Most people are playing the cap gain. How is it in, in the greater Toronto area right now? Are, are, you know, with 20% down our rents, are our properties carrying themselves? Are there still cash flow neutral properties out there in greater Toronto? No, we're still cash flow positive. Wow. So, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it, it was looking, it was, it was looking pretty dangerous towards the end of last year. Um, I remember a broker that we work very closely with has a uh, phenomenal speech. He's from Australia, and uh, that's pretty much their go-to strategy is uh, negative gearing is what they call it there, where you know they're buying and they've got no cash flow and they're coming out of pocket every month. So he had a great speech of, you know, this is coming and how, why it's still a great investment. Um, but, but no, we're still able to, to pull a couple hundred bucks out uh, every month. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully things stay there. I, I think that the market is leveled out to the point where we can expect that for the next, uh, you know, foreseeable future anyway. Yeah, I think, I think it depends on your specific neighborhoods and markets for sure. Like it's, if you, GTA in general, there's a whole bunch of areas where that, where that isn't the case. Uh, it, down, closer you're out of downtown Toronto, the harder that gets. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely uh, some of the outskirts, if you get a half hour or so outside of the city, there's a lot of areas you could invest in where we're cash flow positive, a few hundred bucks, uh, maybe a hundred to 200 bucks per unit even. Oh, man. Those are, that's the old days here. That's yeah. for sure. You guys are getting two new clients here, I think. Uh, so, can you guys speak a little bit? I mean, we've seen some headlines recently. We talked a little bit before we went live here about, uh, about the market generally in, in Ontario right now. What are you guys seeing on the ground? Is it, is it stabilized and what do you expect in, in the coming months? Uh, I wish I could tell you what I expect, but, um, Really, I don't expect anything. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have to see what happens. I mean, uh, everyone has a different opinion, so and they all have reasons to back them up. Right. So, I mean, one person will say, "Well, when the spring market hits, the prices are going to go crazy again. Everyone's going to be holding back offers again." Um, and then someone also say, "Well, no, with the, with the, with all the inventory hitting the market, it's going to drive the prices down." So, you know, 
I can speculate the same as anybody else, but sure. I think we're just going to have to wait and see. But we have had, like I was saying before, it has leveled off, and we were talking about it before the show. I think that um, what we've seen is the the higher-priced houses, you know, the, the million-plus-dollar places seem to have sort of dropped. And then the entry-level housing market seems to be really, really strong still. So you're paying a lot more for the entry-level stuff, where if you have a little bit more money to invest, you can get some good deals in the higher-priced area. Yeah, and the condo market actually has, 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 has continued to go up as well pretty consistently. It didn't seem to be as effective as the, the detached homes, which are more expensive and higher price point in general. Uh, throughout last year. So I, I was a little bit surprised at that, although I suppose we shouldn't have been. I, I believe Vancouver had a similar thing happen there the last couple of years. And would that be right to say that? Condo market wasn't as affected? Yeah, well, that, that's been the case here. Yeah, 2017 was the, the year of the condo and townhome. And uh, yeah, high, high-priced uh, homes or luxury homes were were very slow. But it's, yeah, what what has become clear is it seems like people are chasing affordability, right? Um yeah, and and that market, you know, the sub eight hundred thousand in Vancouver is is still still very busy. One thing that strikes me as a difference between our markets right now is we're for a long time now it's just been a lack of inventory. Uh, there's not a lot coming on the market. Um, it sounds like you guys have seen a decent uh, a decent amount of inventory there over the last couple months. No, not really. Okay. I, mean, I, misunderstood. I think I think the end of summer last year and. And you know, July through to maybe, well, maybe November, at least where I am, there was the most inventory we've seen in in the last few years for sure. And now, ever since winter's hit and beyond, now I don't think well, we we haven't been seeing nearly as much come on. And anything, well, what I've seen now locally here where we are is anything new that hasn't been listed for the last three months. Anything new hitting the market is getting a lot of action, right, and right. we're we seem to be getting into a lot of competition again and. It feels like it did last year at this point. I don't expect it to go as crazy as it did around the GTA, but it definitely feels very, very similar. Interesting. Yeah, that's actually, that's, again, a very, very parallel to the Vancouver market where a lot of people are saying, you know, it's it's definitely going to be, a, I think, a busy spring, but a lot of a lot of people predicting that it's going to be a fairly balanced market this year. We're not going to see the same kind of gains that we've seen um, last year and the year before and even the last five years, so. It'll be interesting, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, we're, we know you guys are investors. We know you've had a lot of success uh, with your investments. We love to ask people about their mistakes, though. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've you've made along the way in your investment career? Well, no, you know, you know, I, what I think my biggest mistake probably was is um, I did the exact opposite of all the advice that you hear when you go to the uh, REI groups and whatnot and read books. And so I ended up, I purchased the best house on the worst street. And I think that was probably one of the biggest mistakes I've made. And I've talked about this on the show and I actually edited out a lot of the, uh, the, the, the story when I put it out there before, but I mean, I bought in a really crappy area of town and, uh, and I bought this really nice legal duplex there and I thought I was going to make a killing on it. It turns out, Nobody wants to be there, and there's good reason for that. So I, I think that that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I've made anyway, instead of buying the uh, worst house on the best street. Right. Yeah, that, that that's a great one. That's a mistake you only make once, I'm sure. 
Yes. So, <laughs> so far. I, I, would, I, would, I would say for me, um, and Rob was talking about wholesaling some properties, we used to do a bit of that as well. Uh, one thing comes to mind for us, is, for me, is, is not finding a way to buy those properties ourselves because we got a few just one deal picked out pretty well where we, we sold it to a, who's now a, someone I, I still have as a, a client and person we do some deals with here uh, and help invest and talking to them afterwards you know, we wholesaled it to them for, I think it was 20 or so thousand, which was pretty good at the time for us. And looking back, they made well over hundred K on it in like two months. And, Oof. and we would have, we, we would have easily in talking with them afterwards, they said, Oh, we would easily would have just went 50, 50 with you on it and, <laughs> and split the, and we would have done all the work and you would have made half of what we made. So we would have made probably four, three, four times what we actually made on it. I think a lot of the deals we had at the time when we were doing the wholesaling strategy were, they have to be really good deals. Like they were amazing deals. We probably should have been a little more creative and found ways to buy them ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's the natural progression, right? Like, <laughs> I agree. You're right. It's a progression. Yeah. It, it's hard to call it a mistake. Although in hindsight, it's a mistake. I think <laughs> it was definitely, it definitely, a, a, def- <laughs> definitely a growth opportunity and learning, learning, uh, a learning opportunity there that was, uh, useful and now it's uh now I, we don't make them those mistakes we just yeah. find partners or find ways to to do something different rather yeah. than just take the quick easy money and i will say that actually um when you are doing something like that i found that people want to keep you in your place you're no value to them if you're going to be finding partners and uh that was one of the big things that when i was wholesaling um People and I and I started to realize the same thing as Sandy. I'm like, man, I should be trying to find partners and keeping these places for myself. Um, people did not want to do that. They wanted to make sure they kept me in my spot so that they could buy these deals from me for like you know mm-hmm. five to ten grand or whatever it was. They didn't want to help me. <laughs> They're like, well, if I partner with you, then you know that's a lot more expensive yeah you sound like you're a very useful uh person going out and finding amazing deals (laughs) yeah but there is that tendency i mean that that people don't want to be competing with their their agent right or or their or their whoever's providing the service so i i can understand that but at the same time i yeah i see where sandy's coming from because you know we we've told people to to buy a lot of properties in vancouver over the years and uh in hindsight, they've all made a lot of money. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we should have believed our own logic at the time and probably bought more at the time when we when we did. So that are partnered up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and another one of the mistakes that I've made, I think, is selling properties. Uh, we well. hear this a lot, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I can probably, I can consistently say that every property I've sold, I wish I didn't sell it. right. I wish I'd either found a way, um, even even the ones where my strategy from the beginning was to flip it. Right. When I look back, I go, geez, that was a stupid thing to do. I really should have just hung on to that place, you know? What about the nicest house on the worst street? <laughs> yeah, glad to get rid of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have done better if I hung on to that one even as well, to be honest. Great. So, uh, so guys, uh, maybe we'll leave it there, but, uh, how can people find out more about you and, and your businesses and your podcast? Uh, well, um, you know, the easiest place to get a hold of Sandy and I is just email us at info at breakthrough REI podcast.ca. Uh, my phone number as well. This is Rob talking is two eight nine nine 
927-0464 if anyone's in this area uh, out in the east end of Toronto and they want to get into some investments, give me a call. Fantastic. And you, Sandy? Yeah, phone number and it's the same email for both of us. That's the easiest one to reach us on. And the website too, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes as well. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, the phone number 905-308-8333. Primarily, we're focused on Hamilton and uh, and anywhere basically from Hamilton to Toronto at this point. So west end of the city. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much, guys. And, and of course, we uh, uh, encourage all our listeners to check your guys' podcast out. It's fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. That was great. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Matt and Adam. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Sandy McKay and Rob Brake over at the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Yeah, Matt, really interesting episode. And I should mention, actually, Rob Brake, his his alias is Mr. Breakthrough, which is pretty cool. That's, that's pretty like, cool. That's I wish like, that's I wish, like movie star cool. Well, yeah, but and Braden has you know I'm Dukowski, I'll sell your house key. Yeah, call uh, Dukowski, I'll sell your house key. Which yeah, great but, tagline. I feel yeah. like I feel like our names are really lacking. You know, like wait a uh, second, is Dukowski, I'll sell your house key a great tagline? That's no, awesome. <laughs> no, Come on, no, no, guys. No, but I mean, there's really cool. Like there's you know just even uh, colleagues of ours in in Vancouver. You know, Spice Lux. Yeah, that's a cool name. Hollywood, Hollywood, very uh, cool you know, name. There's, a, there's, there's a reason she's my agent. You know, there's a there's a, a realtor in the Latin community in the U.S. named Sue Casa. No, there. Yeah, that's a true story. I'm just, I'm just I might have made that up, but there's there's a, there's it's it's generally speaking there's a, there's some there's some great real estate names and we don't have them. Yeah. But that said, Matt. We do can, have a great website. We VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Exactly. Go check out VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We do have the full report on the budget on our site, and we have a breakdown with some analysis. So go have a look at that. It's early days. We just found out about the budget, and we just released this episode. We wanted to get it to you as quickly as we possibly could. And with the new contributors, we're going to have updates from around the province uh, For sure. on there as well. So it's going to it's it's going to be your number one it's source. It's going to be so fascinating to see how this impacts the market. The markets outside of Greater Vancouver. That's where I think the the real hits are going to take place. Yeah, and we have. I mean, it would be great to get somebody on, and I'm sure we will have someone in the future talking about you know what they're concerned about, how they they think this is going to impact the market, and uh, yeah. So stay tuned for that, and also head over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast and sign up for private client services. If you're not using PCS, Matt, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get listing updates 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. You get sold prices, which is amazing. You can actually monitor the market. And uh, it's totally free and it's available for you. All you have to do is sign up. And then we also have a mobile search. We do have a mobile app as well. It's right next to PCS. PCS is amazing on your on your laptop. Uh, but if you're out walking the streets and you're looking for augmented reality, sold prices, awesome map functions. Go check um, it out. You know, it's right there, the HomeSpotter app. Yeah, and we're not going to explain what augmented reality means. No. You just got to Just go back to the last it. episode and fast forward to when Brady did it. Yeah. We also Brady didn't quite capture what it means either. I did a pretty good job. <laughs> so so go sign up for uh, your own augmented reality as well. But um, Matt, how can people reach you? Oh wait, 
quickly before we really appreciate we're at 130 30. reviews yeah. which is phenomenal thank you so much for reviewing us uh the best compliment that you can give us other than getting in touch is to go and review us on itunes or on google or wherever you listen to the podcast we hugely appreciate them we read them all and thank you so much in advance get a hold of me anytime 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com and brady, mr brady d brady d braden at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com awesome all right well hey have a good week take care two thousand faces for radio subscribe today Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.